But why today so special? No, no, not a football game. There was a day a dead man got up and walked out of the tomb. And that event changes everything. That's why we gather on the first day of the week. We gather on the first day of the week to, to celebrate the greatest event in history, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So we gather in his presence. We gather together to sing to him, to give gifts to him, to, to hear his word, to encourage and be encouraged. And then once a month, on the first Sunday of the month, we gather around a table and we have a family meal together. Don't you love family meals? We gather around his table together. And listen, for those online, I, so many of you, I've not seen you in almost a year. I, I love you and miss you. I, I, I so look forward to gather when the family gathers together. I mean, recently, this past year, we have six kids. It was 15 years before we had all of our kids together. We had all kids together for a wedding. It was so good to have them together. And boy, I so long for the day when, when the family is together again. Um, don't you? If you're new, a special welcome to you. We're glad you're here. If you take a moment to fill out the Connect card, if you're, it's in the seat back in front of you. If you're online, you can go to goodnewsloves.com and fill it out. Or if you're here, you can fill it out online as well. It's very helpful. If today's the day that you come to faith in Christ, we'd love to know that. You could indicate that on there. If, uh, if you'd like to have lunch, I've had a great time this year having lunch with many of our guests. I'd love to hear your story. You could indicate that. Or there is on there as well the Discover Good News. Every Sunday morning at 9 o'clock, Tim, our small group director, hosts a class to help orient you to good news. If you'd like to get connected or find out what we believe, that's a great place to take a next step. Now, next is going to come up our purpose. Would you say that with me? Our purpose is to make disciples together. A few years ago... <laughs> we realized that we were not having the impact in the lives of people nor in our community that we wanted to. So, so we decided to become more intentional in making disciples and we started producing the study. If you're new, if you pick one up, I'd just love to walk you through it for a moment. We say we want to make disciples together and it starts out with our purpose and then we've asked the question, well, what is a disciple? And we've said a disciple is a follower of Jesus. If you'd like to follow Jesus, you're in a good place. We want to help you. And then we said, well, what, is it, what does that look like to follow Jesus? And we said that a disciple loves Jesus and loves one another and loves the lost. If you would like to love Jesus more, if you'd like to love others more, because you know Jesus said that people would know we're his disciples if we love one another, if you'd, love to love, if you'd like to love lost people more, we'd be a great fit for you. Because that's what we're here for, is to help you grow in your love for Jesus, one another, and the lost. Um, and then it goes on, and there is a disciple-making map here that um, you say, well, how do we plan to make disciples? There's this guy that I'm discipling, and I'm just walking through this. First, we want to win the lost, and, and then we want to build believers, and, and then we want to equip workers, and then we want to multiply disciple makers. Know why? Because there's 200,000 people in our county who don't know Jesus. And I can't reach them, but I believe that I can equip you. We can equip one another to equip one another so that the people in our county can hear the name of Jesus. Wouldn't you like to see people know Jesus? And then it goes on with our kind of our plan. There's a place each week for message notes. We don't have uh, bulletins here, but there's a place for message notes if you hear something that you might like to write down. Then there's the small group queue. There's what we do before we head to small group in there. And then... <clears throat> There's a place to uh, read the Bible. So neat, this guy that I'm discipling has been a Christian for a few weeks, and he's already reading the Bible. Know why? 
because no one ever told him it was too hard to read the Bible. So many of us have been reading books about the Bible for so long because we thought it's way too hard to read the Bible. Listen, you can do it. If you're a Christian, you've been given the Holy Spirit. Why not join us this month and, and start reading the Bible with us as we read through the New Testament together this year? So this is a disciple-making tool meant to help equip you and to equip you so that you can make disciples of others. Please take it with you. It won't do us any good if you leave it here. Let me pray. Morning, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, you're our creator. And we've come to praise you for the beauty of your creation and, and that we are fearfully and wonderfully made ourselves. And you're our Savior, that when we had gone astray, you came and sought us and saved us. And we wanted to come back on the first day of the week and say thank you. And Jesus, how thankful we are that when you ascended into heaven, you, you sent your spirit and your church was born and you gave us your word. We have the very word of God as we open it and read it together. Holy Spirit, fall fresh. And we pray that through the preaching of your word that you would win the lost and that you would build believers, and that you would equip workers, and that you would multiply disciple-makers. As you turned 70 into 2 million, Lord, multiply us so that every person in our county would have the opportunity to hear the gospel from a friend. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Off to a bad start. You ever... You ever seen like little boys in football? That uh, I love to watch little boys in football. They 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 go out for a team and and they, and they get their pads and they like to put them on and their jersey and their cleats and, and all the boys they love the team picture. But then they play football and know what happens when someone plays football? Bam! And I've watched this many times. That's a defining moment in the life of a young boy. The ones with a brain say. That hurt, I'll play another sport. <laughs> but others of it, when they have that contact, you know what they say? I love it. And you know what? They keep playing. Even though it's hard, they believe it's worth it. Do you know that's what it's like to follow Jesus? Did you know that? Well, well let me back up just one second. You know there is a football game today, right? And a lot of teams started, only one team will win. And you know what will happen if you ask that team what it was like? You know what they'll say, the Super Bowl champions, they'll say it was hard. You have no idea how many injuries, how many disappointments, how many setbacks. It was so hard and it was so worth it. It's what it's like to follow Jesus. So many people, they love to hear about Jesus. They, they love gathering together, maybe going to small group. And then one day, you know what happens? Bam! They get hit. They suffer. And know what some of them say? I think I'll follow someone else. But others, when they get hit, they say, I'm so glad I've met someone. I'm so glad I found a cause worth suffering for. And you know what they say to one another? You know what the point of the message is today? Here it is. You know what those who love Jesus say to one another? Following Jesus is hard. Uh, I want you to know following Jesus is hard and worth it. 
What I'm praying for you today, that, that once you hear God's word, that you would leave here loving Jesus and you would understand something. It's hard to follow Jesus. In our culture today, following Jesus is hard. But I also want you to leave here today rejoicing that it's worth it. It's so worth it. If you're new, we're reading through the book of Exodus together. Exodus is the second book in the Bible. Welcome. And so to catch you up a little bit, a little bit previously on Exodus... As we left off the story of God's people, Israel, Israel are slaves in Egypt, and they've been crying out to God, and God's raised up a deliverer, and his name is Moses. And we learned from Travis last week, who did a great job, that Moses is a reluctant leader. But eventually Moses says yes, and he meets his brother Aaron on the way back to Egypt, and they've not seen each other for 40 years. Can you imagine what it would be like to see your brother if you hadn't seen your brother for 40 years and you got a chance to catch up on 40 years? And then the two of them go back and they share God's plan to deliver Israel. They, they, they share it with the elders. They share it with the people. And I want you to know, the people started singing a song, We Love You, Moses. Oh, yes, we do. You're the greatest leader ever. Moses was soaring. Moses and Aaron were soaring in popularity. They were so popular. We love you. You're the best thing that ever happened. And remember how we left off last week, the last verse in Exodus 4, verse 31. So the people believed, and they believed God was going to deliver them. They were so excited. And when they heard that the Lord was concerned about the sons of Israel and that he had seen their afflictions, then they bowed low and they worshiped. They believed, they worshiped. So Moses and Aaron, man, they're so excited. They're so loved and popular. And, and with great confidence, they go in to see Pharaoh. We pick up chapter 5. And afterward, Moses and Aaron came and said to Pharaoh, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, let my people go that they may celebrate a feast to me in the wilderness. Now you have to picture this. There's a few Hebrews standing before the most powerful person on earth who has two million slaves. Talk about an economic engine. And they go in and stand before this great earthly power and they say, listen, God says they're my people, let them go. Um, but Pharaoh said, Who is the Lord that I should obey his voice to let Israel go? I do not know the Lord, and besides, I will not let Israel go. Pharaoh believed he was God. And, and it's not that he didn't know God's name. He said, What kind of God do you have? What kind of God would let his people suffer as slaves in Egypt? Who is your God? What kind of God is he? Why should I listen to him when I have all this power myself? Then they said, The God of the Hebrews... Our God is the God of the Hebrews, has met with us. Please let us go a three days journey into the wilderness that we may sacrifice to the Lord our God. Otherwise, he will fall upon us with pestilence or with the sword. But the king of Egypt said to them, Moses and Aaron, why do you draw this people away from their work? Get back to your work, labors. Again, Pharaoh said, look, the people of the land are now many and you would have them cease from their labors. You think I'm gonna let two million people quit working for me? What kind of crazy leader would do that? Um, <clears throat> so the, the same day Pharaoh commanded the taskmasters over the people and their foremen. Notice the taskmasters would have been Egyptians and the foremen would have been Hebrews, saying, you are no longer to give the people straw to make brick 
as previously, let them go and gather for themselves. But the quota of bricks which they were making previously, you shall impose on them. You are not to reduce any of it because they are lazy. Therefore they cry out, let us go and sacrifice to our God. Let the labor be heavier on the men and let them work at it so that they will pay no attention to false words. So Moses goes to Pharaoh and says, let, God says, let my people go. And he says, I will not obey God. He, and then secondly, know what he did? He showed open hostility toward God and toward his people. Don't we see that today? Don't we? Remember Jesus in John 14, 6 said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. I mean, if we go to someone today and say, listen, Jesus is the only way. Jesus is the only way. You need to believe in Jesus. Don't people say, I'm not going to believe in Jesus, right? Uh, they're not going to obey. And then secondly, they say, what? Well, and how could, you be so, how could you be so intolerant to believe that you have the only way to God? I'm not going to obey God. And, and then there's hostility, right? And Jesus said, what? Not only I am the way, but he said, I am the truth. And, and sometimes today, when we say to someone, Jesus is the truth, and Jesus said that marriage is the permanent union of one man and one woman, and that sex belongs in marriage to be enjoyed alone between a husband and wife. Sometimes when we say that today, aren't there people who say, I don't care what God says, I'll have sex who I, with who I want to, and I'll marry who I want to, isn't it? And aren't there people who then attack you and say, why are you so judgmental? Listen, Moses and Aaron go to Pharaoh and say, let my people go. And the response was, I will not obey God, and you're the problem. Hostility. So the taskmasters of the people and their foremen went out and spoke to the people, saying, thus says Pharaoh, I am not going to give you any straw. You go and get straw for yourselves wherever you can find it, but none of your labor will be reduced. Now, they were making bricks. They made things out of bricks. Bricks were made out of mud and straw mixed together. Formerly, the Egyptians had supplied the straw that they would combine with the mud to make bricks. But now, in response to saying, let my people go, they're taking the straw away. So they have to not only gather the straw and make the bricks, but the same amount with gathering their own straw. <clears throat> so the people scattered through all the land of Egypt to gather stubble for straw. The taskmasters pressed them, saying, Complete your work quota, your daily amount, just as when you add straw. Moreover, the foremen of the sons of Israel, whom Pharaoh's taskmasters had set over them, were beaten and were asked, Why have you not completed your required amount either yesterday or today in making brick as previously? Um, are you a follower of Christ? Have you ever been beaten? Have you ever been beaten for the cause of Christ? Many have, and these foremen were. They, they were beaten. And how did they respond when they were beaten? Then the foremen of the sons of Israel came and cried out to Pharaoh, saying, So who did they cry out to first? Who? You guys there? To who? Isn't it interesting? Their first response wasn't to cry out to God. It was to cry out to Pharaoh. Um, how about you? When you face difficulties, is your first response to, to respond to the political leaders or is your first response to, to God, right? They cried out to Pharaoh. 
saying, Why did you deal this way with your servants? There is no straw given to your servants, yet they keep saying to us, Make bricks, and behold, your servants are being beaten. But it is the fault of your own people. But Pharaoh said, You are lazy, very lazy. Therefore you say, Let us go and sacrifice to the Lord. So go now and work, for you will be given no straw, yet you must deliver the quota of bricks. The foremen of the sons of Israel saw that they were in trouble because they were told you must not reduce your daily amount of bricks. When they left Pharaoh's presence, they met Moses and Aaron as they were waiting for them. <clears throat> I want you to see the difference between God and Pharaoh, uh, between God and, and, and the political power, that God looked on the oppression of his people, and God heard their cries, and God felt compassion, and God sent a deliverer, right? And what did Pharaoh do? Pharaoh saw the oppression. He heard their cries and he said, what? I'm going to make it harder on you. So notice they, the foreman, uh, they met Moses and Aaron as they were waiting for them. They said to them, may the Lord look upon you and judge you for you have made us odious. I love the, the English standard version says you've made us stink. You have made us odious in Pharaoh's sight and in the sight of his servants and put a sword in their hand to kill us. Why did you come? Why did you go to Pharaoh? You've only made it worse. Why, why, why? Uh, if you're old like me, there used to be a quarterback for the Washington Redskins named Sonny Jurgensen, he, and he was once asked, what's it like to be a quarterback in the NFL? He said, it's a great job. It's a great job if you don't mind going from the penthouse to the outhouse on any given Sunday, right? I mean, the quarterbacks today, if they throw a bunch of, you know, touchdowns, they're what? They're in the penthouse. Wow, we love you. But if they throw a bunch of interceptions, what? They're in the outhouse, aren't they? And they are hated. Know what it's like to be a leader? Sometimes you're in the what, penthouse and sometimes you're in the outhouse, right? And you can go from one to the other so quickly. Huh. Here's what I want you to see. When, when they heard the good news of a deliverer, they were so excited. We love you, Moses. We love you, Aaron. And yet once they experienced suffering, you know what? They all collapsed and they, they all wanted out. What will happen in our lives when we suffer for the cause of Christ? Are, are we ready? Remember what Jesus said? Re remember when Jesus told the parable of the four different kinds of soil? Remember that? Remember the second kind of soil? In Mark 13, verse 20, the, the one on whom seed was sown in the rocky places, this is the man who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Wow. They hear about forgiveness. They hear about eternal life. They, they love gathering and, and worship or, or small group. This is all so cool. They receive the word and immediately receive it with joy, yet he has no firm root in himself, but is only temporary. And when affliction or persecution arises because of the word, immediately he falls away. Are we ready to suffer? Are we ready to be laughed at for the cause of Christ? Are we ready to lose our jobs for the cause of Christ? Are we ready to die for the cause of Christ? It's interesting in the story, the people were so excited about following God until it involved suffering, and then they said, we're out. How about us? 
It wasn't just the people who were impacted. Look at what happens to Moses. Moses, too, was impacted. Verse 22 of Exodus 5, Then Moses returned to the Lord and said, Now, to Moses' credit, who does he cry out to? At least Moses cries out to God, right? He doesn't go to Pharaoh like the people. The foreman did. Then Moses returned to the Lord and said, O Lord, why have you brought harm to this people? Why did you ever send me? Ever since I came to Pharaoh to speak in your name, he has done harm to this people, and you have not delivered your people at all. Why did you call me? Why did you bring me here? Things are just getting worse. It's interesting. They seem to have missed what God had told them before, right? Last week, remember last week when Travis was walking us through Exodus 4? Remember what God told Moses was going to happen that he didn't seem to pay attention to? In, in chapter 4, <clears throat> verse 21, God said, The Lord said to Moses, When you go back to Egypt, see that you perform before Pharaoh all the wonders which I have put in your power, but I will harden his heart so that he will not let the people go. He won't let you go right away. There will be some difficult times, you know, be prepared for that. But Moses didn't listen. Then you shall say to Pharaoh, thus says the Lord, Israel is my son, my firstborn. So I said to you, let my son go that he may serve you. But you have refused to let him go. Behold, I will kill your son, your firstborn. God says, I will deliver my people, but it will be through some really difficult times. You know what someone's been doing in my house lately? While I've been asleep, someone's come and they've added some verses to my Bible that I've never seen before. All these verses about how much Jesus suffered. I, I never seem to have seen them there before. Have you noticed them? And then I noticed how much the apostles suffered for the cause of Christ. I never seem to have noticed them before. Have you ever seen them? And then how many times Jesus talks about how we will suffer for his name. So listen, when Moses' world was rocked, he cried out to God and says, why, why, why? And notice in chapter 6, this is going to get you back next week. This is just a little taste of where we're going next week. But in chapter 6, verse 1, Then the Lord said to Moses, Now you shall see what I will do. Moses, hang in there. You'll see what I shall do. To Pharaoh, for under compulsion he will let them go, and under compulsion he will drive them out of his hand. I am going to do things in Egypt that you can't even imagine, and listen, I am going to deliver my people. Listen, following Jesus is hard and worth it. That's what we're learning today. When I read this story here, what it just reminded me of is the story of the whole Bible, which is the gospel. The gospel has bad news and the gospel has good news, right? And the bad news in the story is that Israel were, was a, what, a slave in Egypt, right? Israel was a slave. The Hebrews were oppressed. They couldn't save themselves. God didn't shout from heaven, work harder, free yourselves. You know why? Because they were what? They were slaves. They were helpless. They couldn't save themselves. They needed a savior. And so the good news of the gospel is that God provided a deliverer, Moses, who points us to Jesus, who came, and it was hard, but he delivered God's people, didn't he? Isn't that the story of the Bible? Isn't it? Isn't it our story? One of the verses that really changed my life was Romans 5.8. This verse is the gospel. But God, 
demonstrates his own love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Do you see the bad news in the go- of the gospel in there? Do you see it? It's that we were sinners. See the word sinners? You see, we were slaves too, slaves of sin. I want you to understand what the word sinner means. You see, we do not sin. We are not sinners because we sin. We sin because we're sinners. Since we're slaves of sin, we can't save ourselves. That's why God doesn't shout, try harder, be better like other religions do. Because we're sinners, we're slaves to sin. And because of that, we sin against God over and over again. In thought and word and deed, in leaving undone what we ought to have done, and because we've sinned against God, what we deserve for our sin, the Bible says, is hell, which is separation from God and from all good things. Smiley, that's pretty depressing. But did you see how this word begins? But God. But God demonstrates his own love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. You know what changed my life? That Jesus didn't say, Smiley, when you clean up your life a little bit, I'll come and help you, right? But while we were yet sinners, what happened? God the Son put on flesh to come to seek and save sinners, right? He came while we were living in rebellion against God, while we were yet sinners, lived a perfect life. He went to the cross and bore our sins. When was the last time you thanked him for that? That Jesus took our sins on himself and died in our place on the cross and then he rose and and, and he offers us salvation, right? It's a free gift. I love in Romans 10, 9 that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Listen, if someone asks you, Uh, You know, what are we saved from? What would you say? You know what we're saved from? We're saved from our sin, the guilt of our sin, and the penalty of our sin. We're saved from hell itself. You know what we're saved for? We're saved for forgiveness. We're saved for the opportunity to do life with Jesus and eternity with Jesus. And how are we saved? It says here, by confessing with our mouth, Jesus is Lord by saying, today, the rebellion against you stops. It just stops today. It's by believing in our heart that that God raised him from the dead, that Christ died on the cross for our sins and then rose again. And if you never have, won't you do that? I mean, really, confessing and believing really is as simple as A, B, C, where it starts when we admit we're sinners. Have you noticed in our deeply divided culture that everybody blames everybody else for our problems. You notice that? Have you ever said to Jesus, I'm the problem? I'm a sinner? That's where it starts, right? And and then what? I believe. Not that I'm good. I believe that you died and rose for me. Won't you do that? And then we commit, Jesus, I want you to be my Savior and forgive me and give me eternal life. Won't you? Listen, I want you to be Lord of my life. Help me be the person you want me to be. Won't you do that if you never have? And you can do that right where you are if you'd like. Uh, I'll give you a chance as we, as we have prayer at the end of the message, or, or you could come up and we could talk after the service. But listen, we all start as lost people. Jesus invites us to come and see, and when we come and see him, then he calls us to believe in him. And when we believe, we're saved. We become believers. And as believers, Jesus says to us what? 
follow me. Come on, we've been at this for two years. Jesus says to us as believers, what? Follow me. But what I want you to understand today is what? That following Jesus is hard and worth it. You say, what do you mean it's hard? What have we learned in the story this morning? We learned that the reason it's hard to follow Jesus is, first of all, because there is enemy fire. When we follow Jesus, we encounter enemy fire. You say, what do I mean? When Moses went to Pharaoh, he went to Pharaoh and said, let my people go. And Pharaoh said, what? No way. And what did Jesus say would happen to us? Remember what he said, I have given them your word and the world has hated them because they're not of the world, even as I am not of the world. As we follow Jesus, as we share what the Bible teaches, there's enemy fire and people will hate us. That's hard, isn't it? You know what else there is? Friendly fire. You know what's worse than enemy fire? Friendly fire. You say, well, what's friendly fire? Remember what happened? That, that Moses went and said, let my people go, and then things got worse. And what, what, did, what did the fellow Jews, what did the Hebrews say to Moses? We hate your guts. We wish you'd never come. You've made us miserable. You ever experienced friendly fire? I mean, I think we somewhat expect enemy fire, don't we? But we're shocked often by friendly fire. When I think about friendly fire, I think of David Nicholas, one of my heroes. He was the pastor at Spanish River Church for many years in Boca Raton. Now he's died and he's gone to be with Jesus. But he had a policy. He didn't go to wedding receptions. The reason it was a large church, he did a lot of weddings, and he didn't want to spend every Saturday his day off at someone's wedding reception. But one of his elders was a doctor. Did I mention it was Boca Raton? And this was a really important person in Boca Raton, and, and he figured because he was a doctor and he was an elder that David Nicholas would come to his daughter's wedding reception. And so David officiated at the wedding, but he didn't go to the wedding, to the reception. And you know what the elder did? He left the church. Was it because David quit believing in the authority of Scripture? Was it because he quit believing that Jesus rose from the dead? Was it because he quit winning people to faith in Christ? No, the elder, a leader, left the church because he didn't go to his daughters. Do you know how much that stings? When your brothers and sisters turn against you, it's hard, isn't it? Listen, there's enemy fire, then there's friendly fire. You know what it makes it hard? There's setbacks. There's setbacks, right? I mean, Moses and Aaron go and say, let my people go, and they took their straw away. It got harder, didn't it? Why are we doing this? You volunteer to be a small group leader. You work really, really hard. You open up your home, and nobody comes. Why am I doing this? You open up your home week after week and ask others if they'll open up their home, and they say no. You're Tony or Tavanya, uh, part of our staff here at Good News, and you work really hard to put together a, a team of people to partner with parents, to disciple children, and, and then COVID-19 hits, and your teams are decimated, right? And then you work really hard to try and build them back, but people say, I don't want to serve. It's hard, isn't it? You get pretty excited by Friday. You have a team of people together for, for you know, Sunday, and then Saturday hits, right? And you get these phone calls, I can't come, right? Wow, it's hard, isn't it? 
isn't it? Listen, if you're experiencing setbacks, let me encourage you. A, a very encouraging verse at the end of 1 Corinthians 15, verse 58, Therefore, my beloved brethren, listen, don't forget how loved you are, my beloved brethren. Be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your toil is not in vain in the Lord. Small group leaders, when no one shows up, don't give up. Tony, Tamanya, don't give up. You're trying to win a friend to Christ. They're resisting. Don't give up. Listen, following Jesus is hard <clears throat> and worth it. There's enemy fire. There's friendly fire. There's setbacks. I, I really want to repent of something that I, I don't think I've prepared you well to live your faith in a hostile culture and I want to do a better job. I want to do a better job. Jesus really did try to prepare us for what was coming. Re remember when Jesus gave the eight keys of happiness? Anybody know where that's found, the eight keys of happiness? Wow, I would think people would know where the eight keys of happiness. You know what it is? It's the Beatitudes, right? Jesus gives eight keys to happiness, and the eighth key uh, by the way, if you want to learn how to be happy, you ought to read Matthew 5. Jesus gives you eight keys. And this is the last one, the eighth one. Blessed, how happy are those who have been persecuted for the sake of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Now, he's teaching us something really important, that happiness and hardship can go together. We live in a time where people think, if you're happy, you don't have any hardship. But Jesus says, no, the happy people in life are those that have found someone worth suffering for. The happy people in life are those that have found a cause worth suffering for. Why are so many people in America so miserable? Why are they locked in their home? Because there's no one, there's no cause great enough to suffer for. Jesus says, happy are the people who know Jesus. Happy are the people who know that disciple-making is worth risking everything for. They found someone to suffer for. Have you? Notice what he says. Happy, blessed are you when people insult you. Don't be afraid of that. You found someone. You found a cause worth suffering for. Blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad. They said terrible things about Jesus and the apostles. They'll say that about you too. But he says, rejoice and be glad, for your reward in heaven is great. Earth is short, eternity is forever, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. You're in good company. Um, following Jesus is hard and worth it. Enemy fire, listen, there's, there's friendly fire, there's setbacks, but listen, it's okay, be happy because hardship, hardship and happiness can go together. Jesus is worth suffering for. So here's what I want us to do for an action step this week. I want you to choose your heart, to choose your heart. I, I want to teach you something really important. We live in a fallen world, in a broken world, and life is hard. Can, would you agree with me that? You guys there, life is hard, isn't it? Uh, so let me illustrate, choose your heart. Being in shape is hard. Being out of shape is hard too, right? So if they're both hard, why not what? Why not choose your heart? I mean, if they're both going to be hard, wouldn't it make better sense to choose being in shape because it's hard and worth it? 
So what Jesus is going to teach us today is that following Jesus is hard and worth it, and, and, and we can choose to follow him. But he also tells us not following Jesus is hard too. You need to understand that. And it's not worth it. Where does he teach us that? In Matthew 16, verse 24, Then Jesus says to his disciples, If anyone wishes to come after me, uh, do, do you want to follow Jesus? Do you? If anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself. This is going to be hard. And take up his cross and follow me. See, Jesus says we can't be boss and he can't be boss at the same time. That if we're going to follow him, then we have to defer to him. You are wiser than we are. You know the path to happiness better than we do. You lead and we follow. Huh. And sometimes he calls us on a path that's hard. But then he tells us that it's worth it. Listen to what he says next. You see, he says, following him is going to be hard, but then he tells us why it's worth it. For whoever wishes to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. The person who hangs on to his life and runs his own life is going to lose his life, but the one who sacrifices everything for Christ and his cause is the one who finds real life. For what will it profit a man? If he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul, or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? <laughs> he says, listen, following Jesus is not only good for this life, it's good forever. So listen, this week we have a choice. We can choose to follow Jesus. It's hard and worth it. Or we can choose to not follow Jesus, and it's hard and not worth it. So choose your heart. Listen, Jesus calls us to forgive others. Um, is, is it easy to forgive others? Do you find it easy? It's hard, isn't it? But I want you to know it's hard not to forgive others. It's hard. It'll wreck your life. It'll make you bitter. So if it'll be hard not to forgive, why not choose the hard and forgive? Everything Jesus asks us to do is hard. Everything Jesus asks us to do is impossible for us to do. And so we have to run to Jesus to get the strength to do what we need to do to follow him on the hard path. Lord, if you want me to forgive, help me to forgive. Um, Jesus says that sex belongs in marriage. Um, you know, if I'm single and, and I'm waiting to have sex until I get married, or, or if I'm married, I'm faithful to my spouse, it's hard to reserve sex for marriage. But I want you to know it's also hard not to reserve sex for marriage. So which heart are you going to choose? Which heart are you going to choose? Why not choose the heart of following Christ because it's worth it? Jesus, this is hard. I need you. Help me. Choose your heart. Um, many of us are married, and, uh, and it's a challenge to be married, isn't it? Uh, sometimes people talk to me, smiling, I think I want to get out. Well, I just want you to know that getting a divorce is going to be hard too. Getting out is hard. Staying in is hard. So choose your heart. Why not choose to follow Jesus? Because it's not only hard, it's also worth it. Man, every Sunday morning I hear Jesus say, hey, let's spend time together. Do you know it's hard to get up in the morning and spend time with Jesus? Did you know that? But do you realize that it's also hard not to begin your day with Jesus, right? So why not choose your heart? Why not choose to get out of bed? Why not choose to spend time with Jesus? Jesus, I couldn't think of spending this day without first being with you. Choose your heart. Sunday. It's hard to gather in worship. It's hard. Listen, it's hard to gather, but it's hard to stay home too, so choose your heart. 
Why not come and say, Jesus, it's a new week. I need you. I couldn't make it through this week without you. I need you. Choose your heart. Small group is hard, isn't it? A lady told me this week, she said, smiling, it was the night of my small group. I didn't want to go. It was dark. It was cold. I didn't want to go. I didn't want to go. And I went. And I'm so glad I went. We were encouraged and built up through our time together. I want you to know, getting in your car and going to small group and being there with other people, it's hard. But I want you to know, too, that staying home is hard. Staying home is hard. So choose your heart. Uh, Jesus calls us to win the lost, doesn't he? A lot of us this year, we want to win one person to Jesus, right? We want to make one disciple. I want you to know that winning one and making a disciple is hard. It's hard and worth it. But I want you to know wasting your life and not winning someone and not making a disciple, that's hard too. So why not choose your heart? Choose your heart and say, Jesus, this year, I want you to help me win one person to you. One person, help me to make one disciple. Choose your heart this week. Um, I want you to know that Jesus is the best leader ever. You know why? Because he never asked us to do anything he was unwilling to do. And you know what staggers me? It makes sense that we would suffer for Jesus and his cause because he's worth it. But know what blows my mind, what makes no sense at all, is that Jesus would choose what is hard for you and me. He said we're so valuable and treasured to him that he would walk a hard life and die a hard death for us so we would follow him forever. When we are staggered by how much Jesus loves us, when he captures our hearts with his love, we gladly give him our hands and feet to follow him, don't we? This week, we're going to face countless choices, countless choices, and I want you to choose your heart because whatever you choose in a fallen world will be hard. So why not choose to follow Jesus? Because when you choose to follow Jesus, it is hard but it's worth it. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you so much that you chose a hard path for us to leave heaven, to resist temptation, to die a horrific death in our place and to rise. Thank you for choosing the hard path so that we could be saved. Thank you. Listen, if you've never been saved, won't you? Remember that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Won't you admit, Jesus, I've sinned against you and I'm sorry? Won't you believe I believe you died on the cross for my sins and rose? Won't you come in? Oh, Jesus, I want you to be my Savior and forgive me and give me eternal life. I want you to be Lord of my life. Help me be the person you want me to be. Now listen, if you've done that for the first time, won't you mark it on your card? We'd love to pray for you and celebrate with you. And Lord, I pray for those of, of us who believe in you that we would follow you this week, that we would choose the hard. Lord, there, there are people here who need to forgive, and it's hard. So help us to forgive. 
And Lord, there's people here involved in immorality, and it's hard to reserve sex for marriage. Lord, help us to follow you and to reserve sex for marriage. Help us to be faithful to our spouses. Lord, it's hard to stay married. I pray for those struggling in marriage that you would help us, help us to stay together, help us to choose the hard. Lord, it's hard this week to get up and spend time with you, but help us to choose the hard of spending time with you. Lord, it's hard to gather together, but Lord, help us to choose the hard of gathering together. Lord, it's hard to go to small group. Help us to make the choice of gathering with others and opening your word and encouraging and being encouraged together. Lord, it's hard to win the loss. It's hard to make a disciple. Lord, keep us from wasting our lives. Help us to choose the hard. It's worth it. For we pray in Jesus' name, amen.